Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. I looked at it, and he was his head was to the side, and he was going to the side. And if he had just rolled, it'd been he, but he he kind of pumped him into the turf. So I actually think that was a good call. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, joins us now. Wait, wait. Here's the key. Kevin Kevin has become in in his old age a rules expert. So how surprised were you when you heard the soundbite of Zim agreeing that the poor linebacker who, as far as I was concerned, had a textbook sack of the Jaguars quarterback, uh, that Zim said that was a good call, Kevin Seifert? Well, I'm going to assume that, uh, that Mike Zimmer made that decision and statement based on his years of experience, knowing that whenever the NFL identifies a point of emphasis for the year and that rule uh, about driving quarterbacks or other players into the ground unnecessarily is a point of emphasis this year. He knows as much as anybody that they're going to call anything that's remotely resembling that during the preseason. So in that context, I'm sure he understood exactly why um, John Hockley's crew called that. Uh, he may be amongst many who is assuming and hoping the season comes, it won't be called quite to that extent. Um, but we all, I think, were prepared for the warning shot, so to speak, uh, during the preseason because that's a point of emphasis. What is your expectation then for what this looks like in the regular season? I mean, if we're going to have press conferences where we're talking about pumping someone into the turf too much, that's just <laughs> yeah. A, too weird for me, but B, yeah. like that's going to be ridiculous. It's all we're going to end up talking about. This isn't what it's going to look like, right? No, historically, uh, whenever a point of emphasis comes up, you see it, the numbers of the penalty go up wildly in the preseason, mostly because the reason it's a point of emphasis is that the NFL, through its annual film study, had identified too many instances where they felt the actual penalty uh, should have been called but wasn't. And uh, over time, sometimes that happens, that officials not necessarily lose track of it, but it becomes less of uh, of a concern as something else, um, and that takes the greater stage. So the reason they made it a point of emphasis is they felt uh, the real instances of the, of the penalty weren't being called. And so the strategy is go to the preseason, uh, call everything in sight, remind everybody that, yes, in fact, this rule occurs, uh, this rule exists and will be called, and then 
go into the preseason and just do a better job of catching the ones that are actually um, instances of them, if that makes sense. Yes. Historically, when that happens, the numbers skyrocket in the preseason, and everybody freaks out. And then in the regular season, they're still higher than the previous year, but in, that's in part because the previous year it was determined that it wasn't called enough. And so I think there'll be more of those penalties called this year than there were last year, but I don't think that uh, historically it, it's very rare, if ever, when these points of emphasis over the course of the regular season match what happened in the preseason. And the driving the quarterback into the ground rule is not even the big one. The bi- the yeah. big one, which I don't believe has been called on the purple through two games, is the is the helmet to helmet rule. Yeah. Uh, how's that going to look? And I have a very simple question that I don't get. As much as college sports drive me crazy, Kevin, I think they got one thing right, which is if I'm going to eject a guy, I can go look at a replay. And if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong to that degree, the 15 yard penalty is still intact, but the ejection doesn't happen. Why are we asking these officials to, to make decisions that could definitely alter outcomes of games and playing time for guys? Um, when, when there would at least be the, or there should be the ability to, if I eject you, I can go look and say, I might have been too aggressive there, and you're not ejected. Well, I got good news for you. They are supposed to be reviewing them. Um, we may not agree with the decision they made to uphold that one ejection that you're referring to that, that happened, um, but they are, in fact, uh, allowed to, and, and expected to review it and assume, and ensure that if someone's being ejected, it was because they clearly and obviously didn't take advantage of the opportunity to pull up or get out of the way and that they intentionally just from a large running start uh you know, you know ram their head right into a guy lower their head and, and, and ram their head right into their guy in a flagrant and obviously unnecessary unnecessary manner and listen so to that, you huh listen to you going through the rule I almost sound like Sean Hockey. He's a don't f- I? No, no, yeah. I don't. I don't sound like he no. knows much more than me. But uh, yeah. the point is, they are going to eject, and um, you know that's that's the uh, that's that was one of the sticking points that I thought would always keep the NFL away from any kind of rule is that they never have wanted to add subjective rules like this to replay. They only wanted to have the objective rules. You know, was he in bounds? Was he over the line? Was he was his knee down, those sort of things that you can tell objectively and you don't have to essentially grade an official's judgment uh, from the replay booth. But there's no other way to have this rule than to do it. Um, as far as your first question uh, on how it's going, I, it's pretty much to me as expected. There's been, you know, there's been some very questionable calls, but I think they're averaging like one and a half of these penalty helmet rule penalties a game. Um, so, you know, when you figure this, what, 70 plays plus special teams over the course of a game, it's not happening with the frequency and, and chaos that, at least the numbers that we thought it would. But the few that have been controversial have received outsized uh, criticism and hand-wringing and, you know, we're going to flag football and all the rest. And so that isn't unusual from some of the other rule changes we've seen. So, it's it's had it's it's been a chaotic and panic inducing rollout, but if you have been through these before, you know that that's happened with other rules as well. So, what is the uh, biggest adjustment for safeties, especially? It seems like they're getting called for it the most, and yeah. anyone who is going to get near a NFL quarterback this season. 
don't lower your head. You know, I think so much of the of the discussion has been like, how is he supposed to not hit the guy with his head? How is he supposed to, you know, get get around to the point where it's only his shoulders? And the rule doesn't necessarily say that. What it says is that if you do make contact with your helmet, you your head has to be up. You know, if you lower your head and you're looking down, um, that's where the NFL's health and safety people say you are increasing your risk uh, for a spine or, or injury or a brain injury. And so that's the posture they're trying to, to get out. But it doesn't mean that your head can't ever touch the other player um, because I do think that we all recognize that that in itself would be an impractical and pretty much uh, you know, impossible task. But there's been a lot of times when you see, you've seen, I've seen on Twitter people posting, uh, you know, short videos or gifs or whatever and and saying well you know how you know i mean how is he supposed to not touch the guy well i think what the nfl is arguing and i guess we'll find out over time is can you approach the guy with your head up um and not with your head down and so that is and i'm no expert in terms of whether that can physically be done uh many players i've talked to have said it can't yep and many players who I've said who I've talked to said they think it can, as long as they're not calling every, you know, they're not sitting there with a protractor and measuring whether the head, the angle is down or up. That you know, if if a guy's eyes are up, that that's going to be good enough. But I think the one thing that people should keep in mind that they're not going to call a penalty simply because your helmet touched the other player. It has to be in that posture when your head is down, and when your head is down and you touch the player the other player it's going to first and initiate contact with it they want to call those penalties to keep you from give you incentive to to keep your head up and keeping your head up and seeing what you hit is not a new concept in football um it's something that that is taught uh and has been taught for generations but that if, if the question is what can players do just do your very best to keep your head up and my guess is that that whenever the head drops even if it doesn't you, know, you don't really initiate a lot of contact with the other player. That's what the referees are going to be looking at. If they see that posture, they're going to be much more likely to call, call a flag, even if you didn't end up making a lot of contact with the other player. What stood out on your uh, lengthy training camp tour, sir, which I think you told me was what? Eight teams? Ten teams? A lot yeah, of teams. About, uh, nine teams, uh, ten days. I That's started in Kansas City and made my way up through... Uh, through the NFC North and through the AFC North and then down through Baltimore, Washington, and Atlanta. Um, it was interesting. It might have just been a coincidence, but I only saw, I think, one or two full pads practices throughout that whole time. Um, you know, we hear so much about how little time these teams have to get ready because of the offseason and the CBA uh, and and that you have to take advantage of every practice. I saw a lot of, of, of you know, practices in shells and, and no pads and, guys just going through mental reps so that to me was interesting i don't know if that's a league-wide trend or not but in if you sample 10 you know practices and you only see a couple of of full pads practices that's an interesting uh, thing to note from a big picture perspective i talked to a lot of people about this this rule and and also about the bigger picture of whether players even want the if they want the nfl to be in charge of protecting them um, from these kind of injuries, if they trust the NFL motives, and uh, and there's a lot of uh, differing views on that. 
I was surprised at how many of the players said, you know what, just let me protect myself. I know what's best for myself. Don't tell me what kind of helmet I can wear. Don't tell me how to tackle. Just let me, just trust me that I'm not going to try to kill myself out there. And I'm going to, you know, let, let me make the decision about what's best for me. And there's a lot of players, though, who feel like, look, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to have grandkids. I want to know my grandkids. I don't want to. I realize that I signed up for a very physical and physically destructive game, but it doesn't mean that I should just give up on that and say, well, if I signed up for it, I have to take whatever I can get. I want there to be progress. I want there to be innovation. I want there to be uh, improvement. I want them to always have uh, my health and safety in mind. And so it was just a really interesting cross-section of players who um, have a lot of very strong opinions about how the NFL has approached this offseason with these rules you know, we forget about the kickoff rule. We forget that uh, 10 different helmet styles got uh, banned. It was a big effort on a lot of different levels, and it has sparked a lot of thinking and a lot of big picture, you know, I guess philosophizing by people like me. And uh, and we'll see where it leads, but at least the conversation is being had out in the open now, and it's not something that gets, uh, you know, swept under the rug. Uh, you know, sometimes I think of it like there are still people who think that uh, they don't want to be told to wear seatbelts because yeah. they don't want the man telling them what to do. We're like, well, yeah. okay, but that's that's not very smart. So we should yeah. try to do the most we can considering what a lot of players went through. Um, Kevin, how about these uh, Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I know you've been busy, it sounds like, uh, since you mentioned protractors and philosophizing. Yeah. Um, but when it comes... I can't even pronounce <laughs> When it comes to, but when it comes to this team, uh, Judd and I—you'll be surprised. Judd's worried about something, but I—I I can validate that with this offensive line, and it—it it just has this 2016 feeling to it yeah. here through here through the preseason. Are you kind of getting that same sense? Well, I mean, I guess it's not quite that bad yet. They're not signing players off the street to start. Uh, you know, they haven't played for the entire since uh, Jake Long type situation, and and then starting them two weeks later, but it might come to that. I guess I guess the, the thing that really made me sit up was when you get to training camp and you base, you've hardly even had any practices and you're already hearing about the Nick Easton thing where you know you lost one starter. That's a bad way to start, especially when you also don't have your center back yet. But I do, and they'll get F-line back eventually. Um, there's no indication that they're doing being anything other than cautious with his off-season stuff. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, and none of the injuries that are going on right now, other injuries I don't think are serious enough that you start to wonder whether you're going to have them for the course of the season other than Easton, obviously. And so I'm not quite there yet, but if you like believe in the subjective, you know, auspicious, uh, uh, you know, avalanche of news that has already occurred, then it's definitely worth worrying about. Um, I don't think they're quite at a 2016 level quite yet. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. Kevin Seifert, uh, check out his work. Does a great job. ESPN.com. He, uh, he is, uh, their rules expert and also, uh, <laughs> writes about, he, he is. I mean, the guy knows more about rules now. And in this league, if we start, you have to have him, it. If we start calling him Kevin Hockley, like, will he be okay with that? No, he'd be offended. <laughs> and he should be. Like I said, I mean, I don't, I felt bad for, uh, for Sean Hockley on Saturday because of all this crap that they've got to try and look for and impose. But he clearly in calling in that crew calling 20 penalties throughout the course of that game, he embraces the mic just like his old man did. He's got to oh, bulk yeah. up though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's got to get the arms, right? 
He's got because yeah. Ed Ed had the He's got time. Ed had the can and arms. Sean's got got to get to the workout. Is Ed still around? I mean, I thought he was there last year. Is he he, he just, retired. He retired. Oh, they had like if you Google this, they have had like three or four prominent referees retire hmm. since two thousand and seventeen. Hockley retired. The guy that worked the Super Bowl retired, and he took. And they're all taking TV jobs. They're all now experts on TV. It's a better job. You get paid more, and you don't have to put up with this crap. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.